This afternoon, congregation, we deal with Lord's Day 26 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 26. We'll also read with, in connection with that, we'll also read from the Belgic Confession. And we'll read the Article 34, the first three paragraphs of Article 34 about the sacrament of baptism in the Belgian Confession. But we begin with Lord's Day 26 of the Heidelberg Catechism where we confess the following from God's Holy Word. How does holy baptism signify and seal to you that the one sacrifice of Christ on the cross benefits you? In this way, Christ instituted this outward washing and with it gave the promise that as surely as water washes away the dirt from the body, so certainly his blood and spirit wash away the impurity of my soul, that is, all my sins. What does it mean to be washed with Christ's blood and spirit? To be washed with Christ's blood means to receive the forgiveness of sins from God through grace because of Christ's blood poured out for us in his sacrifice on the cross. To be washed with his spirit means to be renewed by the Holy Spirit and sanctified to be members of Christ so that more and more we become dead to sin and lead a holy and blameless life. Where has Christ promised that he will wash us with his blood and spirit as surely as we are washed with the water of baptism? At, in the institution of baptism where he says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And this promise is repeated where scripture calls baptism the washing of rebirth and the washing away of sins. And then we turn to uh, Article 34 of the Belgian Confession. That's on page 514 of the Book of Praise. And there we confess concerning the sacrament of baptism the following. We believe and confess that Jesus Christ, who is the end of the law, has by his shed blood put an end to every other shedding of blood that one could or would make as an expiation or satisfaction for sins. He has abolished circumcision, which involved blood, and has instituted in its place the sacrament of baptism. By baptism we are received into the church of God and set apart from all other peoples and false religions to be entirely committed to him whose mark and emblem we bear. This serves as a testimony to us that he will be our God and gracious Father forever. For that reason he has commanded all those who are his to be baptized with plain water in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. By this he signifies to us that as water washes away the dirt of the body when poured on us, and as water is seen on the body of the baptized when sprinkled on him, so the blood of Christ by the Holy Spirit does the same thing internally to the soul. It washes and cleanses our soul from sin and regenerates us from children of wrath into children of God. This is not brought about by the water as such, but by the sprinkling of the precious blood of the Son of God, which is our Red Sea, through which we must pass to escape the tyranny of Pharaoh, that is the devil, and enter into the spiritual land of Canaan. Thus the ministers on their part give us the sacrament of what is visible and what is visible, but our Lord gives us what is signified by the sacrament, namely the invisible gifts and grace. He washes, purges, and cleanses our souls of all filth and unrighteousness, renews our hearts, and fills them with all comfort gives us true assurance of his fatherly goodness, clothes us with the new nature, and takes away the old nature with all its works. So far, our confessions.
brothers and sisters in the Lord, and that includes boys and girls, you belong to the Lord. This afternoon, then, we confess what the sacrament of holy baptism means, the meaning of the sacrament of baptism. How important is it to you that you were baptized at one time? How important is that to you? A lot of people in Canada who've been baptized but for whom baptism doesn't mean much of anything at all. But what does your baptism mean for you? What does it do for you? That's basically what Lord's Day 26 is about, meaning of baptism. And baptism, as we confess that in Lord's Day 26, means a lot, means a lot to us, has a glorious and comforting meaning for us. The sacraments, you know, were instituted to confirm God's word to us. That sprinkling with water before the whole congregation confirms to us that God in his grace wants to wash away all our sins and God does not lie. And that's what makes baptism such a wonderful sign and seal. And with that in mind, I preach to you what we confess from the Bible, Lord's Day 26 with this theme, our being sprinkled with water at our baptism confirms for us three things. First of all, that of ourselves we're quite unclean. Secondly, that Christ's blood washes us clean. And thirdly, that his spirit cleanses our lives. First of all, then, our being sprinkled with water at baptism confirms that of ourselves, we're quite unclean. Congregation, our baptism assures us that God has adopted us to be his children and heirs and wants to wash away all our sins. But since it is that kind of an assurance, we first have to begin with the fact that baptism is a reminder of our own uncleanness because, because of our sins and sinfulness. Little children, who I'm sure have had a bath at home already, are brought to church and held here at the baptismal font and are washed again. And when adults come to faith, they're washed before they can taken up in the, be taken up in the church too. That sprinkling with water signifies our need for cleansing. So it, it shows in the first place that we are of, of ourselves unclean, filthy, and not on the outside, but on the inside. Sin has defiled us. It permeates our lives and defiles us. All of us, as descendants of Adam and Eve, were all born in sin already, conceived in sin and born in sin. And when parents hold their child at the front here for baptism, they confess that their children are conceived and born in sin and are therefore subject to all sorts of condemnation. If an adult stands here for baptism, he or she confesses the same. Born in sin, still inclined to sin every day again so that everything he or she does is even tainted with it, corrupted by sin. Of ourselves, we can only become more and more unclean before God all the time. 
And that's what John the Baptist's baptism actually was all about too. In the beginning, you know that when he ministered in Judea, he proclaimed that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. In other words, the messianic king was about to be revealed with his salvation and, and inaugurate the kingdom of God. However, when people came to John, they didn't, they didn't party because of the coming of that kingdom. No, John took them to the water of the Jordan with him and washed them in the water there. And that was because of their sins. The people had to mourn their sins as the kingdom came closer. Before the people could welcome the promised king and kingdom, they had to repent and had to be cleansed of their sins because this king wasn't coming to deal with the Romans. He was coming to deal with people's sins. The most dangerous enemy of all isn't somewhere out there. The most dangerous enemy is the sin which still lives in our own hearts and lives. And that's what John's baptism showed them too. And with that washing in the Jordan, John was actually linking up with that symbolic washing that took place in the Old Testament already. He's just building on that further. Later on, Jesus Christ institutes baptism, but he, he builds that on what has gone before. In the Old Testament, you had symbolic washing or baptism with water. Many of the Old Testament laws, the Lord wanted to impress on the Israelites that of themselves they were too defiled by sin to live close to him, to be his people of themselves. All kinds of ways in which a person, according to the laws of Moses, could become unclean before God. If somebody ended up with leprosy or some other kind of skin disease, somebody touches a dead body, if women had their period, these things made a person unclean. They were then supposed to leave the camp and they were not to come near the Lord as a sign that the Lord couldn't tolerate uncleanness. And they were only allowed back in the camp and near the tabernacle again if the cause of their uncleanness had disappeared and they had washed themselves with clean water and also their clothes, had washed also their clothes. Now the reason why people like that became unclean wasn't necessarily because their, their sickness was contagious or so. The reason why they were considered unclean was because their condition, in one way or another, God used that condition to point to the fall into sin. Death and sickness were definite reminders of sin and the consequences of sin. Menstruation was a reminder of original sin passed from parents to children through birth. And, and the Lord used those conditions and to continually confront his people with their fall into sin and their continuing sinfulness and uncleanness before him. Those laws were a constant reminder in Israel's face of their uncleanness before God and themselves. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ maintained that element of the reminder of sin when he instituted baptism and when he sent his disciples out to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That water of baptism is in the first place intended, and you can check the form for baptism. It says that in the form for baptism too. That, that water of baptism is in the first place intended to remind us 
of our impurity because of sin, the impurity of our souls, so that we detest ourselves and seek our cleansing and salvation outside of ourselves in Jesus Christ. The water of baptism is then meant to totally humble us so that we realize there's nothing in us that we can build our salvation on. We have to be dependent completely on God. In ourselves, we're dead in our sins right from conception and birth already. That's the first thing baptism teaches us. We're unclean before God in ourselves. Quite unclean. And that's something we not only need to be taught once and that's it. No, that's something we have to be reminded of over and over and over again because we don't always feel that way. We have to be reminded of that. We're not humble by nature. Every time we witness a baptism here at the front of the church, we all need to see that again. Every time water is sprinkled on a child or adult here at the baptismal font, we're reminded that we're, of ourselves, unclean sinners who need to seek our cleansing and salvation outside of ourselves, fully outside of ourselves. And that lesson has to go with us all the time in our everyday lives too. Then we also realize our need for God's grace. It's also something we have to remember, you know, when a, a brother or sister or office bearer expresses concern over a certain thing we're doing in our life and shows us from the Bible that it's sinful. You know, how do, how do you react then? Do you, you humbly think about that and, and, and bow your head because you know your sins and impurity before God? Or do you fly off the handle because you can't stand being told about your sin by somebody else? None of your business. There are others who are doing worse things. Why don't you go and admonish them? And that humbling lesson of the water of baptism is also something we have to remember when we, we admonish a brother or sister about a sin or weakness in their life. We see them living with a, a sin in their lives. Now we need to remind them about that. And baptized people know their own sinfulness, so they're not going to look down on others, talk down to them when they warn them about their sins. No, they think, there but for the grace of God go I. Our baptism reminds us we're no better in ourselves, no more, nor more pure in ourselves than anybody else here. Everybody here needs to be cleansed completely, are unclean in ourselves. So baptism teaches us that, that, that all God's children are born in sin and unclean in themselves too, unworthy to enter the kingdom of God unless they're cleansed, reborn, made into new people by God himself. And our baptism declares to us that God wants to do that too. And that brings us to the second point. Baptism confirms to us that Christ's blood washes us clean. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, the water of baptism tells us that our souls need to be washed clean, need to be cleansed. That water also confirms to us that the Lord wants to, has every intention to cleanse us of all our sins and uncleanness. That's what John the Baptist's baptism of the Israelites in the Jordan already pointed to. 
When he proclaimed the kingdom of God was near and the king was coming, he didn't say to the people who came to him, sorry, God's kingdom is closed for you. You're way too filthy to enter. No, what he, he, he said came down to this. You're too unclean because of sin to meet the king yourselves. But there is a way to enter the kingdom. You need to be washed. You need to be cleansed from head to toe. And whoever comes in true repentance will have his or her sins washed away and can enter the kingdom of heaven. So actually, all those washings and cleansings which were prescribed in the Old Testament, they all had that same message. John was just building on what had been done before. All those washings and cleansing of the Old Testament had the same message. The people who had become unclean because of skin disease or touching a dead body or because of menstruation were not told to leave the camp of Israel for good. No, in spite of their uncleanness, which symbolized the uncleanness of sin, there was a way for them to come back to the camp again too and live with God and his people again. They were welcome back when they had thoroughly washed themselves. And you know, every time there's a baptism in the church here, we're reminded in the prayer just before the baptism of two other occasions in the Old Testament in which water flowed and, and therefore pointed to that cleansing signified in baptism. Those two occasions are God's saving of Noah and his family in the waters of the flood and the saving of the Israelites from the Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea. And in both cases, water, that water cleansed, made a separation. Water not only destroyed what was wrong, sinful, destroyed sinners, but also graciously saved and cleansed sinners. Think of Noah. In himself, Noah was no better than anybody else in the world in his days. Noah and his family had that same root of, of original sin in themselves, carried the same root in themselves. And the Bible shows that clearly in what happened just after the flood had subsided. Noah became drunk, and his son Ham mocked him when he saw him naked in his tent. Noah and his family of themselves deserved to die in that great flood too, which came as a punishment for sin. And yet God, by means of that water, which cleansed the world of the, the sins that were there, lifted Noah and his family in the ark out of that punishment and into a new life under God's grace. Think of the people of Israel in Egypt. Of themselves, they were really no better than the Egyptians. Those Israelites in Egypt, they were all defiled with sin too and worthy of being punished with death just like the Egyptians of themselves, no better. And yet the Lord led them out of Egypt and led them right through the waters of the Red Sea. And by means of that water, their past was washed away, we could say, and they entered the new way of life in the covenant with God. Washed in the Red Sea. That's also how it's described in Article 34 of the Belgian Confession. You see, those incidents pointed to the great cleansing which God was going to bring for his people in Jesus Christ. Water could not really wash away any sins at all. Only the precious and holy blood of God's one and only Son could do that. He underwent the full wrath of God, the full blast of God's anger against sin in the place of others. 
And because his blood flowed, the lives of sinners can be saved. Because of him, the kingdom of heaven is open for us. We can appear without terror before the judgment seat of God, as it says in the form for baptism. Through him, we may be God's children and heirs. And he promises to provide all good and avert all evil or turn it to our benefit. All, all phrases out of the form for baptism. See, that's what the sprinkling with water at baptism teaches us, congregation. No matter how unclean we are because of sin, no matter how much filth we feel has accumulated in our lives, if we go to Christ in true, humble repentance, He will be to us a cleansing flood, a sea of water to wash us clean, whiter than snow, as it says in Psalm 51. He will be our Red Sea, as the Belgian Confession puts it. He will wash us, cleanse us, so we can leave it all behind, all our sins behind, begin a new life with Him. This, this is what God proclaims to us throughout His Word. And He assures us of that in that sprinkling with water at baptism. He wants to assure us, as surely as water washes away dirt from the body, so certainly does Christ's blood wash away all our sins whenever we go to him in true humble repentance. And I want to add this then to congregation, we need to use our baptism then. You have to work with it in order to receive what it assures us of. It's not enough just to be baptized. Thousands of people have been baptized, but for whom their baptism is not going to be a blessing, but it's going to be a curse. For, for baptism doesn't automatically wash away all our sins before God at one time. No, the water of your baptism calls you, is a constant call to you to flee to Jesus Christ and to the cleansing there is in Him every day again. He alone is your ark. He alone is your Red Sea. He alone can save you from your sins and lead you to new life in Him again. So the water, is, the water of baptism sprinkled on our forehead is something that, that urges us to go to Christ time and again as the only way to salvation and life with God. It's a call to us. The thing is, that water of baptism is meant to take away all our doubts about whether God really will forgive our sins. Just as certainly as we were washed with water, that water was sprinkled on us, so Christ wants to wash away all our sins, sprinkle his blood on us to cleanse us of our sins. And then there is no sin which is too big or too awful to be washed away. Even if you committed the same sin a thousand times and it has become a huge mountain of guilt that drags you down, He will certainly wash away that whole mountain of guilt. He will move it. But you need to actively call on Him to do that to do that, call on him in humble repentance again and again on the basis of your baptism. Say, Lord, wash me, cleanse me. 
If you don't do that, then there is no forgiveness either. It doesn't automatically wash that water. You need to believe what was done at your baptism and seek that cleansing promised at that baptism. And if you do, there's a lot of comfort in knowing that just as certainly as you were sprinkled with the water of baptism at the baptismal font, so certainly does the blood of Christ take away all your sins, cleanse you from all your sins. And not only does Christ's blood fully wash away your sins, his spirit will also more and more cleanse your heart. And that's the last point of the sermon. Christ's spirit wants to cleanse our lives more and more. Congregation, note that the catechism actually speaks about two kinds of washing there in Lord's Day 26, question and answer 70. To be washed with Christ's blood means, and then to be washed with his spirit means. Special attention is paid, paid there to those two kinds of washing, and that gives baptism a lot richer and deeper meaning than we usually think. What does that washing with Christ's spirit mean? Well, we know what it means to be washed with Christ's blood then. God promises to wash away all our accumulated filth every time again because of Christ's death, whenever we seek that cleansing in true repentance. But having past sins washed away doesn't mean that sin now has automatically disappeared from our lives. We know that, that all too well, don't we? We're, we're forgiven, but sin still remains such a powerful force in our lives, has such a grip on us, wants to cause us to make ourselves unclean before God time and time again. But the good news, congregation, is this, that God also wants to destroy that power of sin in our lives more and more. He removes the guilt of sin, sure, but that doesn't mean that he, he now simply accepts sin in our lives here either. No, he always hates sin. So there needs to be some change, some progress in our, our lives then too. He wants us to live differently than before. He also wants us to grow in love and obedience in our lives, in other words. Well, the water of baptism teaches that too. The water calls us to live a new life more and more. As the form for baptism puts it, we are through baptism called and obliged by the Lord to a new obedience. We are to cleave to God, to trust Him, to love Him with our whole heart, soul, and mind, and with all our strength. And we must not love the world, but put off our old nature and lead a God-fearing life. End of quote. In other words, it should be seen in us that we have left our old nature and the old world of sin under the power of sin behind us. Just as Israel had left Egypt behind after they passed through the Red Sea. But who can really do that? Congregation, who can do that? Who is strong enough to overcome the power of sin in his or her life and to put away all the desires of the old nature and to live a whole new life. I'm sure we all have sins we hate, but we, which we fall back into every time again, right? Bad thoughts, selfishness, 
greed, pride, slandering others, dishonesty, laziness, lack of zeal, wrong sexual desires. We hate those things, but we're so inclined to want to fall back into those kind of things every time again. And that can make you feel miserable and despairing when that happens. It can even make you indifferent. It doesn't help to fight against sin in my life anyway. I'll, I fight it, it just see, I just seem to fall back into it every time again. I'm never going to get rid of it. I guess it's just the way I am. I, ca I can't change. I can't change. Well, brothers and sisters, it's true. If you're going to try in your own strength, you cannot change. And you will not really truly change. We'll never get rid of our sins and evil habits just by trying harder. But that's exactly the point of baptism, right? Baptism directs us to Christ. The more you really go to him for forgiveness, give yourself to him, the more his spirit also will live in you, cleanse your heart of those remaining sins and weaknesses, give you strength to overcome. You see, baptism doesn't only obligate us to a life of new obedience. If that was the only message of baptism, it would be an awful thing. We'd see our baptism as more of a burden than a blessing. No, the water of baptism also gives us encouragement to work at it, to work at overcoming our sins in our lives because we have the promise that the Holy Spirit wants to work in us and change us. And that way, baptism strengthens us. When we, through weakness, fall into our old sins again, and we hate that, we don't have to despair of God's mercy, nor continue in sin. I'm quoting the form for baptism again. He wants to wash away all our sins time and again, and we don't have to simply give ourselves over to those sins and continue in them as if it doesn't help to fight against them anyway. No, we need to seek forgiveness, but then also take up the battle again. And we can do so knowing that we have a mighty ally on our side who wants to help us in that struggle against our remaining sins. And that ally is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit which Christ has obtained for us by His death, and He has poured out on His people. That Spirit will stand by us in our struggle against our sinful nature. He will help us more and more to hate and leave behind those habitual sins in our lives. And by His power, He will renew us then so that we more and more become dead to sin and more and more alive to God in Christ. We read about that wonderful promise of the Holy Spirit's cleansing power in the part of the prophecies of Ezekiel, which we read together earlier on in chapter 26. The Lord says, verses 20, 25 to 27, He says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep them, my judgments, and do, and do them. See, you, already, you have here already the promise that the spirit of Christ will live in his people and cleanse them more and more 
and form them into new people. People who can walk in holiness before God more and more. And you see what that means, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, the sprinkling with water at your baptism and at every baptism we witness. That, that gives you the full right to call on God to sprinkle you with Christ's spirit as he has promised and to cleanse your heart and life of sin so that you more and more live a holy life. Your baptism gives you the confidence that Christ's spirit will help you in your fight against sin. And maybe you won't overcome the sins you hate in your, your life, in yourself right away. Maybe you will never overcome them completely. It's a process. But the more you seek not only the forgiveness of your sins, the washing with Christ's blood, but also the strength to fight against your remaining sins, the washing with his spirit, the more he will help you in that battle too. And then slowly on, the hatred of that sin grows. And the more you hate it, the less it becomes a power that controls your life. And then the desire to obey God's law becomes more dominant in your life. But you know what the problem often is with us? We ask way too little of the Lord. We seek way too little of what he has promised us and made clear to us in baptism. The problem is we think we can do it ourselves. Quite often, I believe, too, we're just satisfied with asking for the, the removal of our sins every time again, washing away of our sins. But you've been promised a lot more in that sprinkling of water at your baptism. Forgiveness of sins, of course. But that's not enough by itself. And that's not all. That temptation will come back every time again to do that same sin. And that sin which comes back every time again, the Lord wants it to disappear out of your life. And you'll never overcome it by yourself. No matter how hard you try, it will come back again and again until it wears you out and you give up on it. You need help. You need help. Yes, you need the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit who kept Christ in His awful temptations. You think of those 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. Satan confronted Him. But the Spirit stood by Him. And the wonderful thing is that that sprinkling with water at your baptism means that that same Spirit who helped Christ in all his temptations, has been promised to you to cleanse your heart and life of sin more and more. So there's no need to despair, to give up and think, well, you just have to live with, with your shortcomings. No matter how powerful the temptations are, the Spirit will help you overcome them. He is mighty. He helped the Lord himself, as we mentioned, while Satan confronted him, well, that same spirit will stand by you if you seek his promised cleansing. Pray on the basis of your baptism. 
sprinkled me. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, let's use our baptism for that purpose then too, shall we? Then Christ's Spirit will cleanse our hearts and lives of sin more and more too, as certainly as we are sprinkled with water at our baptism. No, no need to get depressed because of those remaining sins and weaknesses, which can be so hard to, to fight. We have not only the promise of washing with the blood of Christ, also the promise of the cleansing with Christ's Spirit, so we can more and more lead a blameless life. But we have to keep asking for that cleansing in faith. Congregation, do you see what a glorious and wonderful sacrament baptism is if we actually make use of it? It shows us our total uncleanness, certainly. We need washing. We're unclean in ourselves. But it also assures us we can be washed. We can be washed. It points us to Christ whose blood washes away all our sins and whose spirit mightily cleanses our lives more and more. God wants us with him in his holy city so much that he not only gave us his word, but also baptism so that we never, ever have to give up. Amen.